Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast. This show is intended for information purposes only, but we're not experts. We're just two guys within the Bitcoin community. Bitcoin is an experiment in the separation of money and state. You'll be surprised how many will support that. And adoption is the only thing that matters. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Bitcoin podcast episode number 60. Uh, this is a pretty special episode. Um, your first host, Marcello. And host number two, D. And Corey is out uh, globetrotting around Brazil. Before Shaw he, Yukins. Shaw Yukins yeah, in the waterfall. Before he comes back to the States in a couple months. Uh, but filling in for him is uh, podcast regular uh, Tony Swish. Hey, hey. T Swish or Tony Sockage here. Quick, quick, funny aside. Someone actually uh, quoted me or cited me on an academic paper as T Swish, which is my pseudonym. So that that made me feel like I made it for a second. But uh, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I, I'm known to the internet world as Tony Swish, but I'm known to my friends and family as Tony Sockage. But either way, it's it's always fun to be here, especially on episode sixty. Uh, it's it's my favorite podcast, so getting to fill in is always fun. Can't wait to talk with you guys more today. Awesome. Yeah, and. Uh... Tony is speaking uh, at the Detroit Startup Week next Friday, I believe, and he's going to talk about Ethereum, Augur, DAOs at 1 p.m., and it's free to attend, and I think you got, like, what, 50 people signed up by now? Yeah, actually, I'm going to, since you were so kind enough to plug it for me within the first minute of this, I love it. Thank you. Uh, Yeah, there's one other one I wanted to plug, too, real quick, and that, yeah, that's May 27th at 1 p.m. at the Masonic Temple. It's free. I think we got like 45 or 46 RSVPs for Detroit, which is pretty good. Um, one of the other events, I think, is going to be the president of Ford and the mayor Duggan of Detroit at one of the other events. They're all free to attend. And um, the other big one that's coming up is actually a meetup in New York City. And that's going to be on Wednesday, June 8th at Rise New York, which is the Barclays Incubator. That's free to attend. Um, we already have 188 RSVPs for that. And it says there's a limit of 200. Now, I'm not sure on how hard that limit is, but... Uh, if you want to go to that, I would definitely uh, RSVP. It's at 7 p.m. on June 8th. And not only is it me, it's Joey Krug, the co-founder of Augur, and Ron Bernstein, who is the, uh, was the founder of InTrade, is going to be talking about pr- uh, prediction markets, past, present, and future. And we, we have some cool, interesting people coming out from the New York City area. So I would recommend checking that out, too. And I'm going to be doing a lot more uh, meetups, I think, in the next few months and talk, speaking engagements. But I'll keep everyone uh, abreast of those as they occur. But thank you for letting me plug it. And I hope everyone can come. And please tell me if you, if you listen to the show and you're at one of these shows, be like, hey, I listen to the show because I love doing it and I love to meet people and kind of get their opinion, especially in person. So just let me know and I'd love to chat right with you. Awesome. So, been some big news this week. Yeah. Big news in Bitcoin land. I feel like it's always big news in Bitcoin land. Um, but nevertheless, we like to share that, guys, with you. And I think the biggest news this week was old Coinbase rebranding their exchange, not the consumer uh, application, I guess you'd call it, not the consumer service side where they're the custodian of your wallet and your uh, your cold wallet, but the uh, exchange is no longer a Coinbase exchange. It is now GDAX. That's for which- professional traders, right? No, no, no. It's for anyone. I've used GDAX before. In fact, I'm still using GDAX. I have a position on Bitcoin that I've held since, I think, like February, and I forgot about it. It's just in there. I was trying to trade, and then I forgot about it. Hmm. But uh, GDAX. Well, what's the difference between a consumer product and a prof- and like a, 
I mean, shouldn't professional trading and consumer products kind of be like the flip side? What do you mean? Well, isn't Coinbase the consumer product and then the Coinbase exchange for professional traders or no? Oh, no, no. It's not. Just, I guess I'm just trying to wrap my head around it just so I can understand. Well, they have Coinbase, which is just where you like, you know, you store your money. Mm-hmm. Then you could store it offline with multi-sig using their vault, which is a great service, by the way. I don't know why so many people hate on Coinbase, but that vault has money buckets. Um, and you can have your own private keys. So if you're an advanced user, you just get your own private keys and let them be the custodian. I mean, and it's insured. But nevertheless, enough plug in Coinbase. They have that. And then they also have the Coinbase Exchange, which is just an exchange. It just had, until recently, Bitcoin USD. So your USD wallet was tied to the Coinbase Exchange. Um, and you could go in and out of USD really quickly. So if you were trading the Bitcoin USD pair, you could do it really quickly on the Coinbase exchange. That's interesting. I mean, I, I think that when it comes down to this, it, it's something where I, when I whenever I want to purchase Bitcoin, I use I use just Coinbase. They're simple services. And I know that, that there's still going to be Coinbase for purchasing, let's say, $15 in Bitcoin or something, some minor amount. And you're not going to be able to do the same with, with Ether right now, but it's, it's far, you know, just for the exchange part of it. But I'm, I'm wondering how long it's going to be until I can say, okay, my mom's interested in Ether because she hears me talking about it all the time. And, and it's, it's not ridiculously hard for me to tell her to go to Coinbase and get buy $15 of Bitcoin. And I wonder how long it's going to be until I can say the same thing with Ether. And, well, you know, and so the other thing is I wasn't aware you, you just made a, you just made a statement. So GDEX has been around for a minute The, the yeah. letters have been already around it. Can you explain a little more of how long you've been using it? Cause you're, you're probably more familiar with it than I am. I've been using the Coinbase exchange since I could use it in Texas. It's not fully licensed across the whole U S you have to check. You go to Coinbase and then you, you go in the top right corner and you'll see their brand, which is now is kind of cool. It's like two. It's like a vertical equal sign with a longer dash in the middle. And you click that, and that's their Coinbase exchange. Um, and they just changed it to GDAX. But what you just said is what this allows and why it's big news. It allows you to go buy $15 worth of Ether. It now, it's a fiat peg to uh, Litecoin and Ether. Okay. So, so if you can... So if you have if you have a USD wallet through Coinbase, which is basically, you know, you allowing yourself to keep, you know, dollars in Coinbase's wallets, then you now have access to Ether and Litecoin through your dollar using GDAX. Okay. So I guess my question is, though, so whenever I let, and you may not know this, you may, I haven't played around with it, um, because one thing is I wanted to sign up with GDAX, but they required a lot of identification, and I they do have all that immediately at hand. And I'm, I'm on I'm on Poloniex, but that's the only other one. And by the way, none of these are endorsements. I endorse no exchange, and I don't think the podcast does either. <laughs> I just like to say that all. <laughs> but um, I always be, I, I'm sure this podcast doesn't either. Um, but either way, uh, I, I'm not on it. So So the thing I noticed is, okay, if I wanted to use, if I wanted to buy twenty dollars in, in Bitcoin, I would need to wait the period unless I have a credit card. Um, yeah. Would would I be able to buy buy it if I had a credit card and receive it immediately with this, or would I also have to in, in you know deal with the waiting period and such? Or do you not know? I know I'm if asking. You, if if you aren't verified, uh, a verified user, then you can't get the uh, instantaneous Bitcoin. That's what I thought. You you have to you know you have to give them some information about yourself. 
which recently kind of effed me because I was trying to get on. That's how I knew I had Coinbase money on there, the Coinbase exchange. Um, I was trying to send them my ID and I, I, I got a new driver's license online and I have the receipt in my wallet, but the old driver's license is expired. So I was sending them a picture of my driver's license with my face. Like that's what you do nowadays. And then they sent me back a notification was like, uh, identity verification denied. And then I got an email and it was like, limits have changed. And I go on to Coinbase and like, I can now all of a sudden only buy $10 worth of Bitcoin a day. (laughs) And I was like, what the hell? And so then I like contact Coinbase and I'm like, yo, I verified my identity a while ago with you guys. I was just trying to go the extra mile and they were like, oh yeah, well your drive's license expired. So we pretty much thought you were a terrorist and denied all access. <laughs> I think what you just said, and, and I don't remember what you, which of you guys said this a minute ago when they're saying some, so many people dislike Coinbase. And and I think this is an interesting topic. And by all means, if this does not interest y'all, we can change it real quick. But there's this habit, I think, and, and I think a lot of this has been weeded out where where the political side of the Bitcoin community uh, hates things like this. Like they don't like and, and I think it's it's a 50 50 thing because it is really inconvenient. Right. As mm. soon as I was like, oh, I have to find my ID and upload it. And I was out trying to do this on mobile. So it wasn't going to happen. I was like outside and it just it's too much work for me to do it at that media time. So I'm like, okay, I'm not going to do this. But then you, what you'll see is if you go to our Bitcoin, people complain and say, why are they trying to get all this information from you? It's like, well, they're trying to run a legal business. And this is kind of the way financial services businesses need to run in America. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, they're, they're not going to exist anymore. And, and I think there's a lack of understanding. And there's those political cats that just want, they, they're upset at them for following the rules where I'm not because I'm like, I want Coinbase to exist because Coinbase to me is, one of to me, they're probably the most important company in the space. I, I really can't can't think of another one that's equally as important. And um, and, and with that being said, I, I think that's a good reason why. Uh, and there's a lack of understanding there in order for this to grow. And I think it's getting better, but I think that's one of the reasons. I'm curious if you guys knew it. Think of any other reasons why people dislike them, or anything you've heard, or experiences you've had, good or bad. I I honestly think. That's just the main reason people don't like Coinbase. It's just because they're trying to play by the rules. And people don't like that. It's like, look, man, you can't play Monopoly with the same rules that you play life. It doesn't work. If you play Monopoly, you play the damn rules of Monopoly. And they're trying to play that game to make Bitcoin an established player in the financial world, the finan- the global financial world. And they got to play that game. So sorry, guys. You know, like. If you're if you don't want people to know your identity that bad, just don't give it to them. Don't use their service. There's plenty of other services. But nevertheless, GDAX, Global Digital Asset Exchange, will now allow you to uh, basically have a fiat entrance to Ether and Litecoin, which basically just gave a huge stamp of approval to digital currencies being bona fide assets. That belong in people's portfolios, that belong in people's daily lives, in my opinion, is what that does. And I just can't wait to the day Coinbase goes public. And before they go public, they offer DAO tokens for Coinbase. And then I get those because I fucking why not? And then they go public and I'm like, oh shit, now I have DAO tokens for Coinbase. What do I do? Like, <laughs> oh, so they went, from, they went from a Bitcoin payment processor to now a digital assets payment processor so they aren't sure that bitcoin is going to survive so are they like rebranding for cryptos in general 
should we rebrand? Should everyone rebrand that had this? Exactly. Like, I don't. Things are changing what? so quickly. Yeah, um, I think the change part that was rebranding though, and not like their other services, whatever. Yeah, just the exchange is rebranding. I think they're. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. This I think Bitcoin's gonna be around for a while. There's so much money invested in it and mm-hmm. is moving so much money right now that it's almost done what it set out to do. It's working. It's a currency that's working. Like, yes, the blocks are full, but it's not the blocks being full that matters. It's the fee tied to a transaction that matters. Um, which is right now is about five cents. But it's 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 working. It's money and it's working. And then it gets boring. Like now Bitcoin I I go check the Bitcoin forums and, and Reddit and I'm like, golly, this is kinda it's kinda boring now. I guess money is boring. Like there's nothing there's not I don't know about that though. I think I think there's a lot of excitement. I and I hate to always circle back to this, but I kinda have to in this case because it's really relevant, is I think the most exciting things you aren't seeing because they're probably being removed before they even get posted. Oh, um, and Amos. yeah, and not just that, but like when, when the Coinbase announcement happened, it happened late at night and, you know, I was an, I'm an insomniac, so I was reading it and it got posted and it said something like Coinbase has joined the dark side. And, you know, within, I'd say 10 minutes, it was removed from the page. I mean, the post was still up there, but it was hidden and you couldn't see it unless you had a link. It's like, they don't want anyone talking about this. So it's like, okay, like, I, yeah. I guess, like, I, I didn't think it was that big of a deal because they didn't even mention Ethereum or Ether in the post name, but Okay, I mean, I, I think it's smart. And, and I don't think it's like Bitcoin is, you know, I, I wouldn't say, I, I don't know if boring is the right term, but I, but I kind of agree with you. Uh, I think that it, it's just there's other things happening. And, and you know what I really like a lot about, and I'm sure we're going to talk about it a little later, but it, it's kind of relevant in this conversation, is I love that for years, the, the main thing, everyone wanted to get everyone to accept Bitcoin, right? That was the gimmick, was saying, okay, we want, we want to buy stuff with our Bitcoin. Whereas I think the Ether ecosystem is more like, we want to fund Ether, Ethereum-based projects with our Ether. That's the number one way people are spending their Ether. And that, yeah. to me, is just, makes me smile really heavily because, you know, that is going to be prove immeasurably worth, more worthwhile, I think, than getting any large organization to accept Bitcoin for one of their products. In my opinion, I don't have an answer to that. So it, yeah. it's interesting when you said that though, is like boring now is money because money's boring. Like very interesting point. Yeah. I mean, money in and of itself is boring, except for the one in every 2000th person you meet. That's like, I love collecting coins. Have you seen a 1938 quarter? Oh my God. And you're like, dude, what the <laughs> hell? Like, <laughs> But, yeah, Bill Burr had a really good bit about people that um, remember when you buy a quarter for 19.95 on TV, and it comes with a that booklet that you put your quarters in that costs like <laughs> 15 cents. It's like the biggest scam ever. <laughs> Coin collecting and stamp collecting really, I think, are relegated to the older demographics. I don't. Yeah. I, I rarely go to like run into a if, if I'm at the mall and there's like a stamp show, and I'm a baseball card collector, so believe me, I know how that is, but. The stamp collectors, man, some of them look like they don't have much time to go. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're collecting as much as they can. Well, um, is it just me or does GDEX make you think of Gox? Eh, Somebody well, said that almost immediately. Somebody, 
Somebody's like, Coinbase is preparing for, to be the next Goxing, G-Gox or something. And I was like, people. Sounds like every other exchange with a boring corporate-ish name. Just, it's just, I, I, I don't like it. I, for one thing, I don't think name changes are ever any good. Um, but if, apparently if they existed before this, and I, I didn't know that, because like the exchange game is one that I'm not 100% up on. I'm, you know, there's different sectors that I know more about than others, but the exchange part, I'm, I'm not like, I don't pretend to be the most knowledgeable, but, in general, name changes are bad, especially – I hope Coinbase decides to keep everything else branded Coinbase because, you know, it's a good name, I think. And, I mean, it's coin. It's not – it doesn't show allegiance to any particular coin. Yeah. So I, I just – I'm not a fan of any kind of name change. I think they're almost always bad ideas. Yeah. I love Coinbase's name even more when I found out what the actual Coinbase transaction is. And I was like, oh, now that name makes so much damn sense. So – like to me, when I first heard the name, I was like, "Oh, it's the base where all the coins are." So like, it's like the headquarter of coins. And then, oh, I, and, and, then yeah, and then I read about uh, the protocol, and I was like, "Oh, a coin-based transaction is the initial transaction that introduces new Bitcoin." I get it now. So, yeah, yeah. but they're Coinbase is not adding like a slew of alts. They're just. They're just uh, just the one most likely to take over Bitcoin fails. And Both of them. How does how does Charlie Lee feel about that? I mean, he no, worked no, no. there, and he couldn't even get Litecoin on the exchange. Litecoin's on the exchange. Yeah, but uh, Brian Armstrong, I think, is only like doing this because I think he's realizing that Bitcoin could fail uh, due to refusal to scale in a timely manner. You know what I mean? You think so. He did did that recent blog post, and that was one of the points that he did mention. I think it's more the fact that I think he's seeing that there's other uses for other coins. I I think that that's just as much of a point as as others. Like, and I know when Vitalik mentions it a lot, where it's like they have different purposes, and 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 that's a smart way to think of it. And I think that's where the maximalists a lot of times lose me is that they. They, they, they think it's either one or or, you know, one or either one or the other. When it's like, you can have both. It's like, you know, we existed in a world where both Sega Genesis and Super Nintendo existed, right? Like, you can have both, and they just have different purposes and different advantages. But it's interesting, and, and I'm wondering now, I want to reread that post, that blog post. It's very long that, that Armstrong wrote, and kind of see and look in more depth at it after you mention that. Well, I can tell you guys exactly why they did it, and it's strictly money. Because if you look at the exchanges that are dealing in Ether right now, there was really only one that was doing it right, and that was Polo. And they were doing volume on just orders of magnitude higher than anyone else until Kraken got in the game. Because Kraken's not in it either. Kraken, an exchange makes money by volume going through it, point blank, Whoa, period. Is that a segue? It well, was. It, it was. Did you like that? Did you like that? Like oh, we're getting so good at this shit now. I'm a fan. Even though the segue has been made, there was one other thing I wanted to mention. <laughs> and before we move the subject was Trezor. Because that's a big one for me as well. Um, just because I think I have one, or Trezor, however you want to pronounce it. I don't know if you guys have one, but I do. And bought it right when it came out. And I love it. And it's so easy to use. And it's really the best way, I think, for anyone that's not a you know not a super 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 tech savvy with security if you're going to hang on to any large amount of crypto the fact that you'll be able to hang on to both your ether and and i don't know this for a fact but i'm hoping any of your ethereum based coins in addition to your bitcoin on one hardware device is great so when i saw that announcement i actually was much happier for that announcement because it's more relevant because i would i I love my trezor and i and and this is this is an i wouldn't say an endorsement but i recommend it if if you want an easy to easy way to hold a bunch of Bitcoin, I, I love mine. And, and uh, I think that's very cool that it's going to have functionality within 
free very soon for other coins yeah we don't have treasures but treasure we would love to do some sort of demo video Mm -hmm. and put it on our website so our we had her on the show yeah we should definitely her up because there wasn't any multi-sig and she was like you know dodging the question i remember that one she did get a little sweaty say what isn't it? Because I thought it was it worked with Copay, which has multi sig. Now, now, don't quote me on this, but I, I thought there was multi sig on there. Huh? Um, I don't know enough about Trezor to be uh, honest, but I could if I got one from Trezor and could yeah. demo it. Trezor people, yeah. Why don't you look up some of the hosts? I have one, so I don't need one. But you know what? I fully, I fully think you should send all the hosts one and yeah. them play around with it and use it. And because believe me, once people, you know, who got me into it is another one is Shooter. Shooter bought one and was like. Yeah, it's so easy to use. You'll love it. And he was right, man. Worth every penny. You know? Yeah, we had Melanie on trying to get a case wallet too, but no we, dice. Nobody sends us free stuff. <laughs> yeah. Except no, for Airbits, holla, holla, Air holla. <laughs> I knew I knew one person that got a free treasure, and it was Tony from BitPay, and that was way back in the day. I don't even know if I'm supposed to say that, but this was two years ago. So if anyone cares now, oh. sorry. Tony <laughs> but, Galop- Galapagos Islands. Yes, him. Okay. And uh, we got one for you, but yeah. Uh, it- um, before we get to the interview, I did, I did want to ask both of you guys a question really quick. Um, looking at Bitcoin as an investment, Bitcoin currently has already lost 25% of the virtual currency market cap to other cryptocurrencies. Uh, are, are we going to see a, a definite increase in that loss now? Is competition a good thing for your investments? Hmm. You go first, Tony. I really don't. Um, I guess I'll say is I, I, competition again. I any investment question, I'm gonna always say you know I always give the same canned responses like I'm never taking my anything I say to go to, to you know to the bank or anything. But well, I guess not to the bank obviously here. But uh, I would say it's good. I think it's very good because it it incre- it will improve liquidity for you know the top ones that are being used. A lot of people you're seeing are using Shapeshift. And if they're buying into the DAO or they're buying into the um or they're buying into Ether, they're using Bitcoin and Shapeshift or something like it to get Ether and Bitcoin's being used as well. So yeah, I don't think it's bad at all. I think Bitcoin serves its purpose. It's been around for a while. And you know, the only the only cryptos I really met I mean there's a few I mess with like storage coin and a few like that, but for the most part it's Ether and and Bitcoin. So yeah, I, I think it's solid. Uh as far as price goes, I have no no clue. I would never, you know, I I, I can't I know nothing on that, but yeah, I think it's it's still solid and it's still, you know, I think still V crypto. I don't think it's, you know, it, it's really lost that positioning yet. Yeah, I mean, competition's a beautiful thing. Um it's an amazing thing and it's it's what is going to make the space better. I mean, we we've grown up in a system where competition tends to be, you know, what we live and breathe and the more competitive thing, the better it competes, it wins, and then it's it's glorious. And I think competition is great. Um, I especially think competition is great because I've been trading these three coins against each other, making profit for like two weeks now. So I'm loving this shit. So <laughs> like when Bitcoin goes up, if, by the way, you listeners that do listen and you trade, when Bitcoin goes up, Ether goes down and vice versa. So all you do is match those two markets up and do a little bit of margin trading and you can get yourself some weekend money every week or stash it away like I do. Um, so I definitely like the competition because when Bitcoin took this hit, Ether took a different kind of hit in an upward way. So 
Yeah, under that learning tree because I'm I never could get into the to the um, investing game like that, and it seems like you know it. So I think I think I need to pay you like cool. for an hour's time where you kind of kind of can kind of say, "Here's how I do it," and here's the easiest way to automate it. Because believe me, I'm not good at it. Maybe that's why I don't do it. Um, it's like it's, bowling, right? I'm a terrible bowler, so I just avoid it. <laughs> you can ask uh, you can ask Corey and our our good friend Mark in the Slack channel how long it's taken me to get to this point. But I think like <laughs> last week I had a Neo moment. Like where the market just shot me in the chest a bunch of times. And then I woke up and I was like, I can see it. And then like this week I've just been on fire. And now I can kind of see how these markets behave. It's really easy. On good news, the price is going to drop. You know, good news, the price is going to drop. And you can just, you get just several indicators in there that tell you which direction the market is going to move. And the trickiest part that I just learned is you got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them. Mm-hmm. So, like, if the market's being stupid, don't put any money in it. Just right. sit back and wait for a second because it's going to give you a definite answer. You just sit back and wait. I learned that the hard way on Thursday because, like, Bitcoin was going crazy and Ether, Ethereum, they were both going crazy. And it's not worth losing money to try and get a good bet, you know. It's about, it's about decision-making, not good bets. So... But anyways, before I go into that, we need to get uh, Jesse Powell from Kraken on the line. He stopped by. Kraken is the number one exchange of Bitcoin, I believe, in the U.S. They're good. Kraken is good. Um, They'd like to release the Kraken on lots of exchanges. So if you're an up-and-coming exchange, your new business model should probably be to get good enough for Kraken to buy you. Because I think that's kind of like what they're trying to do. Um, uh, let's see. Do you have an introduction for Jesse Powell, Cello? Am I talking to myself? I can hear you, man. Oh, no, I hear you, man. Um, oh, okay. He's, good. He's, he's the he's the he's the co-founder and CEO. Um, like you said, Kraken is a it's a digital digital asset exchange. Um, you know, Ethereum, Litecoin, Namecoin, Ripple, Stellar. It's all there. And um, no matter what currency you use, uh, they accommodate that as well. So, um, you know, yeah, you know, this wasn't really a, an interview, more like just a really good conversation between buddies. So, yeah, me, uh, Jesse and Corey. Sorry, I thought you guys I lost you guys or something. But me, Jesse, Corey uh, just kind of kicked back and talked Bitcoin and talked trading and talked um, the Dow, which he made it really interesting of what is keeping Coinbase from diving uh, balls deep into the Dow, uh, like Corey likes to say. Uh, oh, balls deep. he said it during the interview, and Jesse Powell got kind of uncomfortable. It was funny. He was, <laughs> he was like, "I've been diving balls deep into this Dow," and Jesse was like, um. "All those moments." <laughs> um, but anyways, um, Dow is hard to give legal jurisdiction over because no one knows what it is. So the exchanges don't know how to handle it really, but they're preparing themselves for when they can. So if you guys have read the news about like, oh, these exchanges are adding stuff in their uh, code, uh, their source code to have Dow tokens be tradable and yada, yada, yada. Uh, yes, that's true. But you'll notice the bigger exchanges are waiting on that because they have legal ramifications to deal with. And, uh, the other exchanges like Polo, which like Polo's like, I don't give a good goddamn. They just kind of just do what they want. So, nevertheless, here's the interview with Jesse Powell 
from Kraken, CEO. That's right, we only get big ballers at this podcast. Here it is. Hey, guys. Hey. Oh, hey. That was weird. <laughs> yeah, it like went to my phone and uh, and I missed it. I don't know why, why I did that instead of just showing up on my computer. Yeah, no big deal. You're here now. Cool. Welcome. What's going on? Welcome to the Thanks. Bitcoin Podcast. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Big surprise. Here. We talk about Bitcoin. <laughs> kind of boring. Damn. <laughs> Ethereum too, apparently. We've, we've been on the Ethereum boat for a little while, so that's been coming up in our podcast. Yeah, I noticed that. It's kind of hard to avoid. It really is. Yeah. You said you noticed, so you've listened to the show. Yeah, I checked out a couple episodes, like a couple of your recent ones. Um, I think the last one was a Stephen, Stephen Twall. Yep. Um, yeah. Is it? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. That's the one that's been our big hitter as of recent. Uh, yeah. I think the talk of the Dow has definitely brought a few people from the Ethereum community onto our show. Cool. It's a name like the Bitcoin podcast. People probably tend to judge and think we only talk about Bitcoin. So, yeah, I guess this is a downside that a lot of, um, a lot of earlier, uh, companies are starting to, to deal with is like they've named their company Bitcoin X or bit something. And, uh, and now you have other assets that you might want to deal with. That's definitely something that we talked about. I, I, we can to think about is that like the nomenclature of the early cryptocurrency community was bit this coin that Bitcoin X or, you know, like it, it always had the same damn name for just about everything. Right. And, uh, I guess we fell prey to that, but the Bitcoin podcast was somewhat of an obvious choice. Yeah. I think Bitcoin still got the brand recognition. Yeah. yeah. It's the band aid so, of cryptocurrencies. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it'll be, you know, probably forever the, uh, the band aid or the Xerox or, you know, the generic for cryptocurrency. I hope so. It, I, uh, Andreas does that same thing too. Whenever he gives this big speeches, like when I say Bitcoin, I'm talking about the general framework of cryptocurrencies and all this other stuff he talks about. So it's kind of yeah. like the big B generic Bitcoin is talking, we're, we're talking about. Yep. But uh, I guess the show, yeah, the, Stephen, the, the Stephen Tool was kind of more of a, I would say, serious episode. Mm-hmm. Considering, I don't know, I've, I've been kind of balls deep in the Dow and kind of wanted to ask real questions. <laughs> so, yeah, that's good. I'm still trying to understand uh, if this is a, if, if the Dow tokens are a security. Or like, what is the regulatory situation around these? Like, how are they classified? Uh, because it matters for us. Yeah, how right? you like, as an exchange like treat the DAO tokens will be interesting, especially because they're giving dividends. Right. Yeah. Like, from there a regular is... perspective, do we need to be registered with the SEC to trade these things, or something else? You know, it's it's. It's clearly different from from Bitcoin, so we need to get a, our heads around like how how does this thing behave, and what are the regulators going to think about it, and are they going to bust us for trading this thing that needs some other license that we don't have at the moment? It's, I think it's interesting you mentioned regulators, and you'd be the person that 
definitely would need to focus on regulation, which I guess uh, a long time ago, it's seen, not a long time, maybe a long time in Bitcoin years, but uh, I guess last year, year before, everybody seems so allergic to the word regulation. Mm-hmm. We want to keep it deregulated. Pirates, this is what we do. We don't need we don't need a government telling us how to trade. We could do it on our own, but that's kind of like an immature way to think about things given the way the world actually works. Yeah. So I mean, does okay. does do regulations need to like build a road for Bitcoin to be able to travel to the way things are done nowadays? I I think in an ideal world, we wouldn't need regulators to tell us what we can and can't trade where um, or how we trade. But um, obviously, these they're there now, and it's just the facts of the world, and we have to deal with them. And I think you know we've kind of got to pick our battles. And um, if if getting regulated and getting licensed means that Bitcoin eventually becomes you know a global currency. Um, then it was all worth it, right? Like the end game really is that regulation might just be impossible, but we've got to get there. So I just see it as like a fact of life as a, as a Bitcoin exchange is something we have to deal with. And, um, even if we were to try to, to just say, okay, we're not going to, we don't care about regulation and we're just going to do our own thing. you, You would then have an extremely hard time finding other business partners to work with you uh, that are not just strictly crypto, uh, like banks, for example. Mm-hmm. And uh, some others have found ways around that by uh, you know, using sort of like temporary like bank accounts where they've got random people that you're sending money to and stuff like that. And there are definitely ways around it, but I don't see those as like long-term scalable solutions and, and you may end up like the uh, Liberty Reserve guy at some point trying mm-hmm. to do that. So I'm trying to stay out of prison. Uh, <laughs> as is most, as are most people. <laughs> exactly. So Prison's not yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of something that I guess we touched on, I think in the last episode or one of the recent ones is that I personally see the regulation of Bitcoin and what, how different governments treat it as dealing with the old infrastructure in order to mm-hmm. gain ground with working in the Bitcoin space, you need to work in the current infrastructure and then slowly build things the way you want them to be. But you're not going to work unless you work with what is, is there already. Right. I don't think this is going to be a system that is, is can be entirely changed from the outside. The fact is, they have the power right now and, and we need to build these bridges in order to, um, you know, to get people over to the other side. And, uh, you know, at some point there may not be anybody left, uh, on the legacy, uh, legacy, legacy territory, but, uh, we've got to find a way to get people across. And, and right now this is the only way to do it. Uh, you know, barring like total anarchy, yeah, we can't have anarchy. Even though some people in the community would love it, but yeah. I don't. Speaking of going to prison, uh, <laughs> let's uh, let's talk about Mount Gox. And I, I don't, I wasn't, I guess, previously aware of Kraken's involvement or what your involvement was. Mm-hmm. And 
and I did a little bit of reading. Um, can you, I guess, explain to our listeners and to us for that matter, what your involvement is with the Mount Gox situation and um, what the current news that's kind of been going out right now is? Yeah, so we got involved in, in the Mount Gox um, bankruptcy proceedings uh, early on. Um, the trustee was looking for a trusted representative from the community to advise them on certain aspects of, of their investigation and the claims and how the technology works and kind of how they should be approaching the whole thing. And um, I think it made sense for them to, to choose another exchange. And uh, I personally had some prior experience with Mount Gox back from June of 2011 when I went out to Mount Gox uh, in Tokyo. I spent about a week and a half in their office uh, helping them clean up after that hack back in, in June of 2011. Um, so I think that, that we were able to to represent ourselves professionally to the trustee and they felt comfortable with us as um, the industry representative. And so they've been uh, leaning on us for help with all sorts of stuff. Um, we built the a claims form through Kraken so that anybody with a Kraken account can, can make a claim um, for their Mt. Gox uh, coins. And uh, let's see, we've helped with the investigation of what actually happened. Uh, you know, just, we're generally answering questions mm-hmm. regularly about all sorts of stuff, uh, helping them with the claims. Uh, they'll have questions about you know, transaction malleability or uh, how it works when you convert from Bitcoin to Litecoin. There's just, there's just all, all sorts of any, any random question you could imagine that like the lay person uh, would have about Bitcoin. Um, they have. So we try to answer those questions and we also try to be sort of the bridge to the community because they're obviously like not active on Reddit or anything. Um, so whenever questions come up, we try to be responsive to the community about what's going on. Absolutely. And that's, I mean, that's a great deed you're doing and in, in easing the community, easing the tension because Mount Gox, that whole incident had, an, you know, it had the potential to just lift the rug out from underneath Bitcoin, even starting. And uh, thank you totally. for going in there and kind of clearing it up for people. So yeah, but somebody had to do it, you know. Yeah. So yeah. I'm, I'm glad that they they picked us to help them with it, and and I'm actually impressed with the the progress that the trustee has made, and and how far they've come in understanding how everything works, and and they seem to be very reasonable and, and you know very interested in in getting this thing done, um, and very interested in in pursuing the criminal investigation, and. uh and so honestly, it's a, I was, I was one of the creditors in the Bitcoinica, um, collapse. And, uh, I don't know if you guys remember that, but, uh, the truck, the bankruptcy trustee in that situation was, was out of New Zealand and, and it, it was a disaster. They actually kept the coins that were owed to the creditors at Mount Gox for safekeeping. And so when Mount Gox went down, all the Bitcoinica creditors just lost everything. Jesus. That's a tough spot to be in. Yeah, definitely. That's definitely not where you want to be. But not not just handling the Mount Gox thing. You at Kraken, you, you've been goggling up other companies like a boss, or should I say, 
you know, <laughs> like a Kraken. I mean, that seems appropriate. <laughs> uh, just a quick sidebar. How many times a week or a day in the office do you yell, release the Kraken? <laughs> it doesn't happen that often these days, but basically anytime there's a visitor <laughs> to the office, the, the phrase is said at least once. <laughs> I so. like how you said these days. Like we're <laughs> we we got used to it. We don't need to do it that much anymore. But anyways, speaking of which, so Goblin Up Companies, how did the coin setter Cavirtex? Uh, I've never known how to say that. That's not a yeah, word. Yeah, I don't think any. I don't think anybody knows how to say it. Bad nomenclature. Cavirtex. Yeah. Uh, hold up. Hooked on phonics worked for me. Cavirtex acquisition go. And why did you decide to do it in the first place? So how yeah, so you know, I've known Jaron for a long time. Um, pretty much all the, the Bitcoin exchange owners talk to each other regularly, um, and uh, so I've known Jaron for a while. I knew that um, you know things weren't going so great for for Coinsetter. They hadn't really gained the traction in the United States that, that they had hoped to get, and um, we had actually been talking to a lot of other smaller exchanges about possible acquisitions and uh, i think coinsetter was was easier for us because uh jaron had kept things super clean and he was really running it as a, a professional business he had good investors and um and so it was one of the easier ones for us to do just having having the brand that he had um and so uh we got to talking about it you know, he was he was either going to have to go raise more money or um, or sell the company, and and I think it just made the most sense to um, to to sell it at this point. You know, and and still, I think there are too many exchanges in the space. We're going to see some more consolidation. We've got a few more acquisitions in the pipeline that you guys will be hearing about in the next couple months. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's going to be continued roll up, fewer exchanges. Um, and I think we'll start to see, um, rather than full on exchanges emerging, uh, we'll see like local brokers start doing most of the lifting for, for their local markets. You know, it doesn't make sense for Kraken to go into a small market like, uh, like Chile, for example, but, um, we would love to work with local brokers there and be a liquidity provider for those guys and, and help them out with their business however we can. Uh, but there's a huge cost to localization and to trying to get going in a com- in a country. Hmm. Uh, so I think we'll see it kind of start to to shift to that model where you've got a few large exchanges that, that control the liquidity, and then other smaller brokers, regional brokers, um, uh, connecting to those for liquidity. That's a uh, that's you've you've. It's interesting to know that like you've got grown quite a bit in the past couple of years. I was listening to um, a podcast you did on the Bitcoin Knowledge Podcast with Trace Mayer. Yeah. And you talked about being a miner at first and how, I guess, the pains of dealing with GPU mining and, and how needy they are and so on and so forth. We, we actually did the same thing, but not nearly at the scale you did. But cool. um, you transitioned into becoming an exchange and since then have grown quite a bit what is i guess do you have a mantra um 
uh, like kind of how you, how you operate? What is, what is your, what is your plan for going forth and growing? I think acquiring more companies is a good way to do it. Um, our experience so far has, has been pretty, pretty positive with that. I think it's a good way to, um, to acquire liquidity and a good way to acquire, uh, good team members. So, um, we're definitely going to continue to pursue mergers and acquisitions. Um, apart from that, you know, we've had a lot more interest lately from the traditional world of finance, uh, that wants to get involved in Bitcoin in some way. And we're not at all interested in doing any sort of blockchain consulting services for banks or anything like that. But, um, they're actually interested in, in using real Bitcoin, uh, trading Bitcoin or brokering Bitcoin or, um, setting up their own crypto asset of some sort and they're interested in, in whether we would trade it. Hmm. Uh, it it so, kind of plays into the, the recent news with the um, CME and the um, the Bitcoin USD price index that's that's currently been announced. Yeah, that's a, a pretty big deal and you can imagine why they might be doing that and what they could possibly have in the pipeline uh, to follow that. Uh, but I'm sure that <laughs> All sorts of other, you know, derivative products will be based on this price index. Um, so I think the next two years are going to be really exciting. We'll probably see uh, more of the traditional world of finance get into cryptocurrency in some in some way. It's it's funny you said it's kind of a big deal because I literally said in our in our team Slack I posted a link to the article that that um, that I one of the articles that uh, was discussing the. Mercantile Exchange, Chicago Mercantile Exchange, and I put as the title, "Is this a big deal?" <laughs> <laughs> and everybody was like, eh, "I think it's kind of a big deal. I'm pretty sure it's a big deal." And I like how you said, "That's a big deal." And coming from your mouth, that's a great, uh, I guess, bode of confidence for Bitcoin. So, well, what, yeah, it's what huge. Do you, what do you do when? you add things or you ex- extend the service of Kraken. Like how much due diligence do you put into it? Is it, is it a matter of, oh, there's a shitload of people that want to trade this coin. Let's add it to the Kraken so that we can benefit off of it. Or is, mm-hmm. is there a lot of, of research into, will this last for a long time? Or is this, I mean, of course there is, but I'd like you to kind of explain it. Yeah. So historically we've done a lot of research into the coins that we support and, um, in some in some cases, we found problems like with Namecoin, we found a, a major flaw with the protocol um, that was eventually fixed. Um, but uh, it, it's a bit dangerous to be adding new coins willy nilly. I mean, as we saw with Cripsy, hmm. they were they they were running this uh, Lucky Seven coin or something like that, which had a Trojan mm. in it, and uh, and it, it sounds like. You know that alone may not have been a problem, but for them running it like as root along with all the other coins, like on the same machine and everything, and so it was able to sort of compromise everything. Um, but but there are other flaws that have come up in the past, like um, Bitcoin malleability was a problem for some people. Uh, Ripple had a sort of similar issue to malleability called the T partial payments. Um, issue and uh, that that put another exchange out of business. So um, and even Ethereum had uh, there was some some flaw in the early JavaScript library um, 
that allowed you to create addresses. There's some like padding issue that allowed you to create addresses that you didn't have the private keys for. So, uh, so these are dangerous problems for any exchange or any custodian of the assets. So we try to be very careful about the stuff that we add and it can't just be like a quick pump and dump coin. You know, we don't want to, we don't want to deal with the overhead involved with that, like all, all the technical review. And we also don't want to expose our clients to these scammy coins, you know? So there's definitely a market to trade those things. Um, but we prefer to stay out of it just and just kind of focus on the other things and usually there's a pump and then there's a dump and then it's just dead and uh, and nobody wants to trade it anymore and so it doesn't have like a lot of long-term value so we try to look for the things with long-term value the staying power that that people are going to want to trade and then like i mentioned earlier we also have to consider the regulatory implications of of adding these new coins and, and they don't all work the same and so you have to ask yourself like how is this issued? Um, is there a central issuer? Is it centrally controlled? Does it look like a security or does it look like a cryptocurrency or, you know, is it pegged to a fiat currency or, or some other commodity? And does that matter? Um, so there are other issues as well. It's not just as easy as like technically we can do it. So, so we do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, yeah. do you, oh, sorry to interject, but I was thinking, Maybe with something like this recent uh, evolution of, uh, I guess, the digital assets economy, the the DAO and DAO tokens, maybe there mm-hmm. isn't a definition that fits it just yet, and one has to be built. I mean, sometimes, right. you know, like tools sometimes are made because of the necessity of whatever you're trying to work on. You know, there wasn't always a garden hoe, but then one dude was like, I need a stick with just a straight piece of metal so I can, <laughs> so I can hack some shit. And now I'm going to name it and I'm going to name it a hoe. And so maybe <laughs> that could be what's going on now with DAO tokens is maybe there isn't a definition and there isn't a, a peg to fit it all, fit it in. And maybe one has to be made. So I don't know. That doesn't necessarily help you with your business, but. <laughs> Maybe that yeah, just no. is the reality. And I, so. I, that's the case. And I hope that we can, we can skate by on some ambiguity there around how these things are regulated. Um, because there's obviously going to be an increasing number of these things coming out. And these, uh, the DAO token that everybody's, uh, putting money in today is probably just the first among, you know, many, many that will be successful. You know, I think this thing's already got like a forty million dollar market cap. Yeah. Uh, when I checked this morning, and and so that's that's not a small deal. You know, and um, it could it could be growing in value over time. So, mm-hmm. uh, it's definitely something that we need to figure out, and the regulator is going to have to figure out as well. Um, or this thing is just quickly, I think, quickly going to get away from everybody. Right? It's when anybody can invest in anything over the internet and you don't have to take names and you don't have to uh, check their jurisdiction or anything like that. And there's no one in the middle stopping them from doing that. Um, Just all sorts of wild stuff is possible. I mean, it completely breaks the system. Mm -hmm. So I think that's pretty cool. I don't know if the, uh, the regulators and and the guys who have have paid to have these laws written think that's very cool. So I imagine something will be coming. 
it's definitely, I guess I never really thought about this before, but, and I'm not sure if you necessarily thought about this when you got started, but exchanges are kind of at the intersection of all of the danger points of cryptocurrencies. You, you deal totally. with the, like a good vast portion of the transaction volume and the money that goes in and out as well as all the vulnerabilities that could possibly come up. Like you need to know aspects of a lot of the different environments of the cryptocurrency community, the economics, the, you need to know the technicals because you're talking about what could possibly happen and how you, th- how you implement things into the, the exchange. You need to know how they're treated legally, all these different things. And the user, if you're a good exchange, shouldn't have to care. And that really puts a lot yeah. of pressure and onus on, on the operators. Yeah, definitely. It's, I say it's like the worst business to be in. <laughs> um, you know, had, had I any idea when I got into this, what the, um, like how much, how much of a headache dealing with the law would be, just like the regulation around this. Um, I don't know if I would have done it because it's really soul crushing, you know, like sometimes <laughs> it's just like, doesn't Sorry. make sense. And then you have lawyers like sending you bills for a hundred thousand dollars, you know, and, and it was like a hundred thousand dollars to basically tell you that technically like it doesn't look like you can operate in that state or whatever, you know? So it's like, okay, I paid you and now you're just telling me that like, you know, the answer is no. I don't and know. So, yeah, or yeah. Worse, worse is, yeah. I don't know, man. Here's $100,000, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> that sucks. I'm sorry. I don't mean to laugh at your pain, but that's that sucks no, so bad. I'm sorry. It's, it's the worst. So, yeah, I, I'm always surprised when I hear about another exchange launching. I'm just like, you you must have no idea. Because <laughs> it's not like even, you know, like you said, you've got the security issues to deal with. And then the regulatory issues and, you know, it's like you need at least at a minimum like a million dollars just to start operating legally. Uh, and then you need like a badass team to make sure everything's secure on top of it. There's just so many things that can go wrong So in so many ways. If I could quote one of our modern sages, the sages of our time, Sir Notorious B.I.G., Mo Money, Mo Problems. Exactly. Mm. And on top of this, like, despite all of the problems of just operating and maintaining an exchange, you're, you're including new features that are, that are kind of pushing the game. You, you have dark pool trading with Ethereum Mm -hmm. and other, and other cryptocurrencies. You do a good, a good sized leverage and margin trading. Uh, talk, talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So we're trying to work work with what we've got really, you know, like there are obviously more features that could be added, uh, with additional licenses like derivatives trading. Um, but we've gotten pretty clear guidance around most of that. You know, it looks like you, you need a license at least in the United States to, to trade any sort of Bitcoin derivative. Uh, and, and probably even, uh, well, you know, we're not quite sure about margin trading yet. Actually, we've we've been in discussions with uh, the CFTC about whether we can do margin trading in the United States. Uh, they seem to want to regulate Bitcoin as a commodity, and so that's something we're trying to figure out. And 
you know, so it's something we traditionally have taken a very cautious and conservative approach to, to what we do and where we do it and how we do it. Um, but you know, the regulators, uh, don't seem to be in any hurry really to, to give you the okay. Mm. You know, I think at best you might get like, and, uh, you know, we're not going to do anything about that right now, but you know, <laughs> once again, they don't fucking know. <laughs> right. Usually uh, they don't, know. don't do it. We don't know. Do you know of anyone right now that is doing like focusing their efforts, maximum effort, as Deadpool would say, on educating regulators to understanding Bitcoin and Bitcoin technology, yeah. you know? I think I think Coin Center is doing a really great job of that. Uh, Jerry Brito and the guys there, um, and also Perry Ann Boring is doing a great job of that. Um, so there are definitely people dedicated to this. Uh, I don't know what's happening with the Bitcoin Foundation these days, but they were doing some work in this department in the past. Uh, but I don't, I don't think any of the companies really, there are definitely companies that, that are engaged with regulators and law enforcement in trying to explain these things. Um, and we have the Blockchain Alliance as well, which um, is a group of Bitcoin companies that essentially is trying to come up with standards and help, and help law enforcement understand how things work. Um, but uh, as far as the companies individually, you know, I don't think that anyone can really afford to to take this up. Uh, you know, you've gotten essentially an unlimited number of regulatory bodies and law enforcement offices in the world that are looking at this. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's just impossible as a company to deal with that. I mean, maybe as a when you get to the point of like a Goldman Sachs or, or Bank of America or something like that, you know, then you have the money to start writing your own laws. But until then, for any startup, you know, I think financial services is, is probably the worst industry to be in as a startup because it's just, there's so many hurdles in place for you. Uh, and especially as a, crypt, a crypto company, we've got not just the existing hurdles that are in place, but, um, you know, I think in some, in some ways ambiguity is worse than just knowing what the price is, you know, because you might spend as much just trying to, to get an answer or to understand it as you would just paying for a license in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you have all, you have all these additional inquiries into you. Um, so, you know, there, there aren't, uh, law enforcement calling us up, asking us, how does, how does, uh, how do wire transfers work? You know, but mm-hmm. we have to make ourselves available to answer questions about like, how does Bitcoin work or how does Bitcoin funding on the exchange work? Um, so there's an additional overhead there. And, uh, you know, we're dealing with tons of law enforcement requests around, around Bitcoin activity. You know, I don't know where these guys are getting, getting all this stuff from, but, um, just daily we're getting like a list of Bitcoin addresses, like subpoenaed, you know, Hey, do you guys have any information on any of these 10 addresses that are related to this case we're working on? Oh, wow. Wow. Man, that's yeah. a crucial that's, insight. I guess to- currently with like, I don't know, the the new trend of how things are going and how the main media like how the, the, the layperson will probably start to understand Bitcoin is through the moniker blockchain. And 
the regulation associated with those two words may differ as time goes on, which may end up affecting exchanges and how you deal with different things. Like how, how do you, how do you address the blockchain versus Bitcoin scenario and, and where do you see it going? Yeah. I mean, personally I'm, I'm, I think the whole blockchain thing is just hype. And I think that I think Bitcoin is the killer app for the blockchain. I think that we'll see some other interesting things come out. You know, I'm, I'm glad that large financial institutions are, are, are trying to do things with blockchain and are interested in it. But personally, I'm not really interested in, um, you know, trying to save uh, Bank of America like 1%, you know, on their, <laughs> on their like yeah. database costs or whatever. Uh, you know, but I think it's cool to the extent that they're they're looking at, at ways to improve uh, or to use blockchain to solve real problems like chain of custody or certificates of authenticity or certificates of ownership, like for, for land titles um, or like even bicycle ownership or anything like that. Um, so I think that there's some real cool things coming out of, of blockchain. Um, but I still think that you know, the, the biggest opportunity for change and improvement in the world really is, is the currency component uh, and Bitcoin as a currency. And so that's where I intend to, to keep my focus. Um, and so I, I think the blockchain stuff, I, I think all these projects will kind of run their course internally at these companies. And, and I still think these companies are so monolithic and, and so ancient I, I, and so bureaucratic that I think that even if they do come up with a good idea for doing something with the blockchain internally, that for most it will it will probably be like a ten year plan to actually Oof. replace what they've got. Ten years in the internet replacing time? replacing agent databases and the way banks work is going to take an extremely long and arduous amount of time and a lot of money. Yeah, it's, I don't even want to think about that. Yeah. Uh, what, where is where does Ethereum fit into this? Because it's not necessarily blockchain, but it's certainly not Bitcoin either. Yeah, um, I guess a, a lot of companies are looking into Ethereum as well, and, you know, maybe even more so than Bitcoin. Uh, and so, yeah, what will happen with that? I don't know, but obviously the the potential for Ethereum um, is really interesting, and like Slocket is really cool. I think there are all these really cool things that you can do on Ethereum that you can't quite do on Bitcoin today. Um, although, you know, people are working on, on trying to get these features into Bitcoin in some way through side chains or through colored coins or whatever. Um, so we'll see what happens. I, I think it's going to be interesting. I'm glad that Ethereum's out there. Um, hopefully the Bitcoin developer community or, or the Bitcoin community as a whole uh, feels like there's a bit more competition now and and we'll start to um, you know I'm really looking forward to some sort of settlement on this block size debate oh geez you know I don't I don't I don't like I don't like the idea of calling it competition I I, I really feel like they're two separate things or at least Ethereum is trying to accomplish something completely separate and the conversation that happens within the Ethereum community is based upon it's never money. And Bitcoin does a really good job of being money. Mm -hmm. And if it just took that and ran with it and did it really well, then it would flourish and be just fine. 
and then allowed other coins or other things that developed to then use Bitcoin as the money. I think that would that would end up being a very good ecosystem. Yeah, I agree with you completely on that. Uh, like I said, I think Bitcoin is the killer app for for the Bitcoin blockchain. Um, I think the weird things start to happen when you you know in, incentives don't quite line up when you start to do other things on the Bitcoin blockchain. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think I think we're still in. in in the early stages and, and our primary concern should be just growing the network and growing the user base and not worrying so much about like, should we put securities on the blockchain or what if we have other sort of uh, other tokens of, of value transacting on the blockchain? You know, I think, I think just focus on Bitcoin as a currency, make it useful as a currency and, and yeah, leave the other stuff to, to other blockchains and and um you know do do one thing and do it very well and yeah maybe ethereum maybe ethereum contracts uh find a way to use bitcoin as their currency rather than ether as their currency but um i think the value of the token does matter the, the value of bitcoin matters um and the value of ether adder uh, matters because you have all these companies that or, or early adopters or investors or speculators that that got into it early and and now are being financed by the rise in price and and i think um you know a lot of bitcoin companies got crushed when the price of bitcoin went from a thousand down to to 200 they were banking on you know this the price being being that you know like even kraken when the price was at a thousand or going up to a thousand we're like okay we need to uh if this keeps up, you know, we need to hire all these extra people and here are the projections based on fees generated from Bitcoin trades when Bitcoin is $1,200. And, you know, maybe we can, if it's 1200 today, maybe it'll be 2000 by next year. Um, you know, so, so, you know, I know for a fact that, that many other companies also made these projections and, and hired accordingly and, and raised money accordingly. And some even held Bitcoin just speculating uh, to speculate, and uh, and when the price went to two hundred, you know everybody's suddenly making like twenty percent of the revenue they thought they were. Um, they can't afford to keep all the employees that they have. Uh, they need to go raise more money than they thought they would. Uh, and then even even just the hobbyists that maybe had quit their jobs because now they were Bitcoin rich <laughs> had to leave their their Bitcoin hobby. <laughs> You know, like they were working on some cool Bitcoin project. Well, now they're broke and they have to go back and get a, get a real job. So it, the market cap definitely matters. And, uh, and I'm glad that Ether has gone up so much in, in price because it means that a lot of people can afford to take time off and work on cool stuff. Yeah, that's, that's a good that's, point. That's a great point. I like the... I think the whole, the most holistic metaphors we found were, I think it was Joseph Lubin, uh, who said Bitcoin is like gold and then Ethereum would be like oil. Both very, very functional. Yeah. So, well. Yeah. I like we're that. Gonna, we're going to wrap it up with what could be our toughest question. We've been asking this question for a year now and people have either been listening to the show and expected it coming. So they're really good at it now or. I guess Bitcoin's just becoming easier to understand, but 
The question is, in 10 mm. words or less, can you describe Bitcoin? <laughs> and 10 words. Okay. A uh, decentralized peer-to-peer digital currency. Yeah. That is seven words, it, Corey. Can, can you, is that correct? I think that's six words. Six words. Did you not count the article A? You didn't count that? No. Okay. Should so that might count? be just what, what it says on the white paper. I, I forget. What, like, <laughs> that's pretty much exactly what it says. <laughs> Nailed it. The title of the white paper is what you just said. That's awesome. Uh, well, uh, it, was, it was very awesome having you on the show, Jesse. Uh, thank you for what you've done with Kraken. Um, as well as your team, I know it isn't just you. If it were just you, then I would say you were a superhuman, uh, but it can't be. Um, you're a great, no. I guess, cornerstone of legitimacy and something that until, I guess, the past two years or so seemed like it was just an illegitimate nerd toy. So. Thanks. Appreciate it. You know, we're trying to, uh, trying to bring more professional people into ecosystem and, and not just you know leave it to uh hackers and people in their mom's basements and stuff so we got to get the rest of the world involved you know? and i think being a professional uh, exchange will help with that neckbeards only get taken so seriously that's, that's right <laughs> as i have, i've learned the hard way <laughs> <laughs> well Corey, you got anything else to add or are we wrapping it up well let's wrap it up thanks jesse <laughs> all right guys thanks a lot all right, everybody, that was the interview with uh, Jesse Powell from uh, from Kraken. And uh, we're here with uh, Stephen Mackey, who actually, um, he's an old friend of the show. We invited him back on. And coincidentally, uh, this week he had kind of a, some drama with Jesse Powell, but it got resolved. Um, I didn't know if you wanted to still go into that, kind of uh, give your side of the story and tell us what happened. Oh yeah, <clears throat> I'll definitely talk about it. Um, just just <laughs> seeing see, seeing now that seeing now that this resolved, there's absolutely like no hard feelings between um between me and Jesse. Um, but essentially, what had happened was I won you know one Bitcoin and ten Ether from them in like a Twitter contest. They just had you do like a retweet or something like that of like all these images that that had some pretty funny images and pretty much some of them related to like April fools and such. So it started like a month or like a month and a half or something back. And so I ended up the contest and, um, cause I love retweeting things. So, I mean, this was very easy for me to do. <laughs> um, so, so, uh, and then like maybe like a month and a half later, I get a message, uh, in my DMs, they slid in there and, uh, they were like, Hey, um, Congratulations, you won the big, big prize of uh, one Bitcoin, 10 Ether. And I was like, what? And <laughs> so they gave me, you know, they gave her like, hey, uh, we just need like your account number and stuff. Um, you know, we'll take care of you. And I was like, cool. So I signed in my Kraken. I had to dust it off, I'll be honest. Sorry, Jesse. Uh, I had I had to like, couldn't, couldn't remember my password and stuff. But I got in there. Um, and... Uh, I gave them like my account information and they're like, cool, we'll get back to you soon. I was like, cool. Uh, some time goes by and I'm like, Hey, what's up? What's going on? Like, uh, you guys gonna, you know, give me my stuff. And they're like, yeah, you know, we're going to get you there. Yada, yada. Uh, just wait. And I was like, all right. So come back to them again. And they're like, yeah. So, you know, as it turns out, they're like, can't just send it directly to your account. 
got to send it directly to the, to, to a, uh, an address. So can we get a Bitcoin address from you, an Ether address, and we'll be sending you an on-chain transaction. And I was like, cool, yeah, of course. Here you go. Here's some addresses. Boom, bam. All right, let me get that money. And <laughs> still was waiting. Nothing was happening. And so I, obviously I started, I, I got a little bit flustered at this point because it had been like about a week or so. And because I was waiting to get the, the funds before the end of the Dow token crowd sale because I have that site block channel and my plan was I was going to make like a walkthrough of like, Hey, I got these funds. I got them from Kraken. Um, I'm going to be buying like Dow tokens. I was going to make a, like a screen record and like talk through the process of like how to like get Dow tokens and maybe like give, give it a little bit more insight into like what you could do with them. You know, I had some free time before I was going on a trip to LA. So it seemed like a good thing to do. Um, so I pushed one more time, you know, I said, basically, it was like, uh, uh, okay, really waiting to get these coins, you know, yada, yada, yada. So then I sent a tweet out for that. And then <clears throat> I get uh, a message or whatever from Twitter, um, you know, saying, you know, they're still waiting to send me the stuff and it might take a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And I was like, a couple of weeks to send like an on-chain transaction, like, damn, like, so, so I was like, I guess they were going to hand deliver it to uh, Bitrix where I was having the funds at the time. Um, and so, like, I was like, all right, well, that's not cool. So I reached out to Jesse on Slack. Um, and I was like, hey, man, was like, what's up with this? Yada, yada, yada. Uh, let me know what do so I can get this sooner. And he was like, well, you know, the person who's running the contest, she's a little upset about your antics, about you, like, basically, like, posting on Twitter that you were waiting on the funds. And I'm like, really? Like that's something to be mad at? But okay. So I was like, I was, I was out of kindness. I was like, I'll delete that tweet. No big deal. <clears throat> I got rid of the tweet. Uh, and then uh, he, you know, got back to me and said, Hey, thanks, appreciate that. I'm gonna talk to this lady. I'm gonna try and chill her out, and uh, I'll let you know. Let's try and get the funds to you at the end of today. And I was like, Hey, man, you're a good guy, Jesse. Thanks. All right, I'm waiting. And another week goes by, <laughs> and. <laughs> I'm like messaging them, like in it, like, you know, intermittently throughout the week, like, hey, man, like, hey, you know, please let me know when I can get these funds. Like, it would be great if I get this, or, you know, basically, like, and then, like, later on, I tried to usher on a little more, like, hey, I, you know, I'd really like to, you know, get this. So, so this doesn't have to be like escalated. I really appreciate it if you give me the funds. And because internally, the way I was looking at it, it was like, damn, it's taking a really long time for this Bitcoin company to send some Bitcoin for the company that's supposedly supposed to be investigating the whole Mt. Gox stuff. Yeah. So I was just like, "Come on, you got a lot of, uh, you got a lot of stuff to live up to here. You got, you should be quick. It you shouldn't make it seem like, um, especially you know for a contest where you're trying to get like publicity. Why mm-hmm. would you want to garner negative publicity by you know not quickly being able to like pay out whatever it is you're trying to do? And then I invited you on the show, and I didn't even know that you know Jesse Powell was going to be the guest. So I think like the stars aligned. And oh he knew no! You were it, was, it was definitely serendipity, and that's yeah. <laughs> but definitely, but like I said, like you know, Jesse Jesse Powell, great dude. It's fine, you know. He never responded to me. No one ever, no one ever told me they sent the funds. It just went, it just it was just in. Huh. And so, like, I never got any sort of final clarification. Like, hey, your funds are sent. So it's like, like, all right, so I get you cracking. So you know, we're cool. But you know, we're like, so we're, we're, like, we, so we, we're we good though. Side eye when we walk into the party. <laughs> but we're not gonna we're not gonna call each other out, you know. So we're we're cool. Well, I'm glad everything worked out. Um, uh, because if not, I'm sure you're gonna take a big dump on him on the podcast. So we don't have to do that. <laughs> I mean, I was definitely already setting things up. I had a rap ready. Oh, it was terrible. 
So, so no, no. I mean, part of me, part of me is is glad he sent the money. That part of me is sad that he did. Uh, but you know, whatever. <laughs> well, um, on the last episode, uh, Dimitrik was talking about the Dow, and we were all kind of man, we were going crazy because we were like, everyone's dumb. We have to explain <laughs> it to people like they're five. We got to get Mackie on here, and then it just so happens that uh, Tony is going to be talking about it um, mm-hmm. next Friday. So. We got to talk about it. how does a leaderless Ethereum-based organization, leaderless as an employee-less company, raise $150 million, and yet people don't know what to think of it. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to turn it over to you guys. All right. So let's think about let, let's think about how we want to, uh, I guess, like approach this from like the top down. So like, should we should we sort of like talk about the like individual parts of sort of like what makes the DAO the DAO and just sort of like maybe just talk about it's like greater implications or should we be like low level? Like what should we do? I always think you should start with the basics because if there's, if there's that much confusion out there, then that means that people fundamentally don't understand some shit. Okay. Cool. Yeah. 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 Cause like, no, there was, cause like there's definitely like, I have a very firm grasp of understanding like what the DAO is, but even, even there are like very, very like some fine tuned aspects like that. Even like me and Corey Petty were, for instance, like discussing like um over Slack the other day about like the weighing of the votes and things of that nature. So it's still um you know there's there's still like things that you gotta just like really get in there, make sure you read every fine point like in the white paper and stuff like that to like make sure that you don't make a fool of yourself. Mm-hmm. So um so I guess like relation in Dow, let's, let's sort of talk for like the high level. So like for more so what it is. So the, I, I wrote about this on Block Channel. So um to sort of explain like what a Dow is as a whole. Because there's a lot of confusion with this particular DAO because it was named for whatever particular reason for, I'm not sure why Stephen Tool and them did this or, or just allowed it to happen organically. But, you know, it's just called the DAO, which is very confusing, you know, obviously, because there's going to be more than one DAO crowd sale. Like, you know, on, when you go to DAOHub.org, it says this is a one time only event and someone who might not really understand like what Ethereum is. They might think that, oh, this is a part of Ethereum. You know, this is the DAO thing they were talking about. Like, this is the one. This is the one that's going to, this is the thing that's going to make make Ethereum blow up. I got to get in now. This is my only chance. And I think that may have played into a lot of mis- uh, sort of miseducation to some traders and investors who might have just, like, jumped in on FOMO's sake. It's just a, it's just sort of a, a assumption that I'm making here. But, you know, I, I, you know, I had reached out, actually, on Twitter to Stephen Toole, and Vitalik, and I was like, I pointed out and said that, hey, you know, maybe you shouldn't have let it, you know, go with the name the DAO. You guys should change it. And their response was, well, the DAO is going to rename itself once it's created. And I was like, yeah, 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 that's cool, you know. But the way I'm looking at it is, you know, if it's going to rename itself, that means you could have named it whatever the hell you wanted, really. <laughs> and then it could rename itself. Yeah. That's um, true. So, so you know, whatever they could have called it DAO one. Or something. I don't know. Just anything that just sort of shows it that it's just it's not the end all be all to that. But mm-hmm. essentially, the way it works is it's a non legal. Very. This is very important. A non legal, non specific human entity that essentially works programmatically to. Um, what's the best way to put this? To enact a set of orders and goals that people vote that they want to create to happen. So I guess a simpler way to put that is individuals who own tokens 
of the DAO that they purchased in the crowd sale essentially are sent proposals by anyone in anyone who owns a DAO token is able to send out a proposal in plain, in plain English. And there's sort of a breakdown on sort of how these proposals should look, you know, for the, the, the Slocket draft. You can sort of go through to see like, you know, what sort of information and stuff is impertinent and necessary in order to sort of like make these like really flushed out. But basically when these proposals are sent out, they go to everyone's like basically smart contracting wallet, wherever it is that they hold these smart contracting tokens. And essentially they are basically sent these proposals and everyone can like send to send their vote to it. Yes, no, you know, about like what, whether or not they agree with it. And after a certain amount of votes come in, um, you know, that proposal can then be enacted on by, by the DAO named by any contractors that might be in the DAO. So for instance, if they said, Hey, we want to collectively work together to create something like Slack. I mean, excuse me, slock it. And so, but there's already Steven Tool and everyone there. But if someone was just going to come and create Slocket, you know, before these guys came along, then they would name, you know, Steven Tool, all these people as contractors inside of this proposal. And then once it's been voted on and the funds have been sent necessary to the necessary persons in order to make this happen, then they go through and have to have a series of deliverables or whatever is programmed into the smart contract in order to get paid out into their, you know, so they can afford to do the next portion of that deliverable. Mm. So like, and you can, you can set that up any which way you want to spend it uh, as, as, as long as you can program it into the smart contract. So essentially what these guys are doing at Slocket is they're sort of creating the framework and saying, Hey, look, this is a DAO. Like we're big into Ethereum. You know, some, some of the originators, OGs, we're going to make this DAO to show that we can collect large amounts of funds in a crowdfund. And I'm also, it just so happens we've got this project Slocket and we're going to, we're going to, we're going to let this be the first proposal that everyone votes on, you know, mm -hmm. like, Hey, we're going to use our namesake and our notoriety to show people how we can really make this technology powerful. Like, that's cool. I appreciate that. I still don't appreciate you making the name the DAO, but any, <laughs> but anyways, um, so they're like, all right, so let's do this. Raise all this money, put this out there. Now we're up to uh, however million dollars. I'm, I'm not on the homepage at the morning. What are we at? Some ridiculous number. One six. Last time I checked, 156 million. Damn. Okay, great. So we got 156 million dollars. So basically, that means at the end of this next six days, this uh, which is you know currently going through like this creation period where we're creating all the tokens. So all the tokens that I created this during this period are the only going to be the only tokens that are ever going to be created. And so in the future, if anyone wants to get their hands on these tokens, they're going to have to go to like an actual marketplace and like buy and sell or trade and all that sort of good stuff in order they want to get their hands on it. The price of those particular tokens, you know, uh, mm -hmm. that's going to be that's that's a difficult thing to say, because that's just all going to be speculation, because you're not going to get any return on any of these potential projects for at least the first year, two years. So you got to be realistic. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, any any price that's going to come out at the end of this it's just going to be people either, you know, trying to uh, make it make sense to get a return or, you know, there's going to be a lot of people that might be splitting from the DAO after the creation phase. Mm -hmm. And I can probably I can talk to more about what that means. So essentially, you can split your uh, DAO tokens um, from the DAO. Uh, and there's more information uh, on the actual site that uh, that explains sort of what this process actually uh, is programmatically. But essentially, it's kind of like proof of burn in Bitcoin. 
Um, so basically what you do is like you send in your, your DAO tokens and basically like you burn them and get rid of the, and get rid of those rights and you get your ether or like your, like your ether back mm-hmm. or like equivalent, like from your buy-in back into your, um, your wallet. Um, but like I said, there's more specifics on that, uh, on the, uh, on the website. So uh, I own tokens. So yeah. then I could submit a proposal that would say, I'm just saying, speaking off the wall here, mm-hmm. that the the DAO were to buy a franchise named Chicken Filet that is only open on Sundays and <laughs> is built right across the street from actual Chick-fil-A. And if everyone voted yes, then the DAO would then go purchase Chicken Filet <laughs> and have it built, and it would only be open on Sundays directly across the street from Chick-fil-A because everybody only wants Chick-fil-A on Sundays. That's a natural fact of life. I think that I think that initially, uh, the majority of these projects that are becoming coming out of the Dow, um, only you know sensibly, uh, that they're all going to be related to Ethereum. I would Absolutely. only think that they're like going to be things that are either built on Ethereum or have some sort of additional service relay, something or the other additional layer on top of it. Ethereum, you know, there's some sort of like mutual benefit to the overall greater like cryptocurrency community, I guess. Uh, I think those are the things that are going to be voted on first, you know? Um, okay. I'll just because, take that I mean, idea. I'm, I'm sure the chicken fillets are going to come. <laughs> give, it, give it at least like, give it like, a, I don't know, give Slocket some time to put some locks on the chicken fillet doors. <laughs> and, then, and then people can come in on Sundays at like 2, 3 in the morning and eat chicken. They would so love it. I know, only, it's genius. Only... I know. Only time I ever want Chick Fil A is on Sunday, like clockwork. It's, like, <laughs> it's the it's a life like, truth. What can I have? Uh. <laughs> so, since since we're kind of more in a question and answer kind of thing, I, this is my question: is um, all right. I, I knew about the idea of what a DAO was before this, but when they were when this particular project was building up, I was reading their materials and. I was confused as hell. I read it and I read it again and I read it again and I, I didn't understand it. And I was like, what are they trying to convey? What is the messaging? Now, from someone like yourself that obviously has a very deep knowledge of this, um, what do you think was the issues with the messaging? And obviously the messaging wor- messaging worked to a degree because uh, it's doing so well. But in the same token, I think it could have done a lot better uh, among people maybe that wanted that TLDR so they could figure out what it is in two or three minutes, because I don't think the idea is as complicated as it seems, but I oh, think no, I know I, I'll, I'll definitely, I'll tell you, I'll tell you exactly what the problem was. Yeah, and I wouldn't, was. I wouldn't, and I definitely don't say, okay, it's not a bad problem to have. And basically what their problem that they had was that we have something here that is just so, so damn complex. And so what I mean by that is that Bitcoin and blockchain is difficult enough for a majority of people to grasp as it is. Right. So let's take one of those entities that is already very complex and build another entity that is already very complex on top of that. So in order to understand that, you've got to have already have a very solid base understanding of Bitcoin, blockchain, those sort of technologies and what they can offer. And then you, you have to have a lot of a strong understanding of the ideals around the individuals who were programming these systems in the first place to get to this point. Right. So, you know, they've all been working collaboratively mm-hmm. on these sort of messaging messaging. And so they've they've been sort of basically sitting in an echo chamber talking about these things as they've been they've been creating them for a long time. So when they sat down to like sit down and write this, like they were like, I, I get it. Like, I understand. The vision, right. 
right? Because you know I'm, I've been in this space. Like I, I get, uh, you know, when I see when I see when they're talking about you know democracy and decentralization and like how the voting process is going to work and like how they plan to automate it and how they can fill in the gaps with like the Dow link and stuff like that. Like you, you have, when you have to really get in there and sort of like look at the big picture to like really get that aha. Like ah, I get it. Okay, I see what you guys are doing. Cool. It's funky. Um, but like not every not everyone is going to get that so like i think a lot of this messaging is written to like maybe like a generalized audience where they were like okay how can we how can we explain this to a general audience just enough where we're on the cusp of also explaining it to like a solidity programmer right so it's like there's a lot of very like a very specific um you know bitcoin related jargon and words that maybe somebody that's coming from an outside financial space you know might not understand like when immediately when people come in from the right outside you know financial space investors and stuff and they see words like democracy decentralization non-exclusion privacy and right to amenity non-aggression in like a proposal like in the basically like what's a basically a decentralized business proposal you know so it's like i think i think that grasping that everything at once is just hard for most people to do so it's like um so is it is it bad not necessarily because some people are going to get it but will it improve in the future? Yes, definitely. See, I want to I want to speak on this for a second more because when you yeah. mentioned it earlier, that was the exact issue we had with Augur, and and you know yeah. the goal was to simplify it as much as possible, which I think we did a pretty damn good job on. Now and then, I think this is a p- issue that a lot of projects in the space have. A lot of them. A, a good example, and I I said this to them, and and I hope they they're not offended because I love the project. I was introduced to Code Valley through here. I uh, love the project, yeah. and I think they had very similar a very similar problem. I think where there's so many developers working in this space that everything is geared toward developers. And, and I think that if you can explain something using the most basic language that the developers will understand it too, in a short order. And, and, and the one thing that I, the one example I love making was when you go to dowhub.org, they use the word manifesto. Whenever I hear that, I think of some crazy old white dude in the woods sending bombs. <laughs> Here's my manifesto. Yeah. And <laughs> language, it, I think it scares people away. And, and and I loved reading the Hacker News thread on it because everyone, these are people that are developers. And it was a lot of them were reading this like, what the hell does this mean? And it's like, it's such a cool idea and project, but how can we make, and, and I, don't, I'm not, I don't necessarily think it needs to be accessible to everyone because it really doesn't. But how can we make it so anyone can kind of understand it in a couple minutes? And And that was the issue I think it had. So my thing was, if it had that issue, and believe me, I thought it had that issue bad, where it was very difficult to understand, and they could have been a lot better explaining it, a lot better. I, they did this well still. So it makes me think, how much better could they have done? Or, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Or B, you know, what exactly do we need besides me ranting on podcasts to fix this for other projects? Like, I, I'll give a, you a perfect example. Oh, like, Just like I you're think- saying, Tony, I posted the Dow website, the DowHub.org. And a little thing on Facebook, I posted like, "Hey, this is a this is a pony on back end. It's supposed to, you know, it's futuristic company, not led by anyone." Blah blah blah. So I put the DowHub.org posted it, and the very first post I got from one of my friends was like, "Life is confusing enough already. I don't understand this gibberish." And the next person was like, "I'm with that guy. That shit was gibberish." <laughs> like, and I'm like, "Okay." So I don't even dare post things like very very in depth about this on like my personal Facebook because it just goes I just I get people basically like people are just like woo I love that stuff you're doing with that Bitcoin stuff that's cool man and like (laughs) but no one really understands I got a lot of friends from like 
South and a lot of people on the East Coast. So it's just like they all had their heads in the ground. So like I don't even want to try and try and explain to them what a decentralized autonomous organization is over a Facebook comment. Oh, um, <laughs> see, then I'm doing I'm doing the Lord's work. Then you are. Because, you're you're doing <laughs> It is tough. It is tough. They're like, wait, it's a company, but nobody runs it. And I'm like, yeah. What? Yeah, man. But who's? I don't know, man. Who's gonna spend all that money? Mm, no, nah, that, <laughs> that doesn't sound right at all, man. That's crazy. There's nobody making rules. Uh, y'all fools. No, those are the words that I hear like echoing in, like in the back of my head. I'm just like, please, just give it a chance. You just don't understand. And there's just like, I'm like, you really just got. You got to be a software engineer. Let me sit down and just tell you what these code, this code means line by line. You can get it. No, 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 it's not the same. And I was like, okay, all right. Um, there was, I guess I have one other kind of question, and then, and then I'll hand it off to other, everyone else. And it's not really a question, more so as a comment, and to get your opinion of what I said earlier, which yeah. is, uh, in the early days of Bitcoin, you know, it seemed like everyone wanted to get new merchants to accept Bitcoin, right? Um, you know, we want to buy this with Bitcoin. We want Newegg to accept it. We want Dell to accept it. We want Microsoft. So there's someone to spend their Bitcoin. Now, we're kind of in the early days of Ethereum, and what we're having is we have things like that where the best way to spend your Ether is to invest in Ether projects for the ecosystem. I think that's cool, both cool and huge, and it's an, an advantage that not that I wouldn't necessarily Ethereum ha- say Ethereum has, but I guess I do because it, it, it's, really self and it's really self-promoting its own pro- projects on its platform. I can totally explain that difference in narrative right now. Please, please do. Go on. Please do. Okay. So the difference with the Bitcoin community is, you know, the messaging of peer-to-peer, you know, cash and uh, digital store value, all that good stuff, right? That's been sort of the heart of the messaging ever since Bitcoin's come along. Hardcore libertarian, hardcore, yada, yada, let's, let's, let's get this money, let's change the world. Um, so what we had was as, you know, Bitcoin continued to grow in value, grow in popularity, grow in basically like public notoriety. People saw the value of their holdings continue to increase. So you had a lot of individuals evangelizing. Yes, yes, come on, Newegg. Yes, yes, Dell. Yes, you know, Microsoft, come. Except because, you know, it's not necessarily people wanting to cash out, but there were some people that had, you know, wanted to utilize their Bitcoins in like different ways and to get them out there and to get them spent and I guess pay it forward. And, you know, they wanted to extract that wealth. Maybe they didn't want to directly go to, like, U.S. dollars, but they wanted to accept goods. So there was a big push initially because people were, like, making money and they wanted to get something out of it. So that was, like, the big push. So, well, you know, what I explain a lot is, you know, Bitcoin and uh, Ethereum definitely are not rivals. I agree with Andreas Antonopoulos on that very much. And I've explained this before as, like, you know, Bitcoin is attacking the ecosystem from the top. You know, bankers, those sorts of things like that, like, monetary system settlement things like that and you know they're 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 coming down towards the middle and eventually they'll converge with ethereum who's building foundationally from the bottom up by working with developers working on like building out technology and like protocols and like cool futuristic tech ideas and stuff like that spreading the idea of decentralization more so on a different distributed basis like basically planting the seed of the idea of developers that we can build this next future and it'll be decentralized and distributed you know, it's a it's a similar it's a similar narrative, Bitcoin and Ethereum, but the the heart of the messaging is different. So Ethereum is working from the bottom up, in my opinion. So eventually, when we meet in the middle, once the banks and everything have been like crushed and made, you know, completely antiquated, and we get down towards the middle, and we'll 
eventually bump into Ethereum and, you know, we'll, they'll, they'll, they'll live happily together, you know? And so that's why, that's why the messaging has been so different for Ethereum. Like, let's put, you know, let's put our Ether here. Let's put it to work because it's just been hardcore developers and people who were just like speculating on just a really cool idea since day one. And since then, you know, for instance, I, uh, you know, I also work at Purse and, you know, I work with someone, I won't mention his name. Uh, and he said, you know, he said something very interesting to me. He said, you know, I got in at the crowd sales, Steven, and he was like, but at the time, you know, I didn't put into it as an investment. He said, I just basically, he thought I was just donating, I thought I was just donating to a really cool idea. Mm-hmm. And he was like, so I, you know, I got, I got all this Ethereum and, you know, I just, I just, I just did it because I wanted to support the project. So it's like that. That's that's so that's that that sort of clicked in my head, and I was just like, okay, like I, I get it, I get. It. So the ge- the general thought has been like, ether is this idea that we just want to we we want to take these ideas we've been cooking over the past like five six years, and we're gonna we want to bake it into something else that we can also do this. And I think that's why I think that's why it's just so different. Also, and that's why Bitcoiners and, and Ethereum people butt head so much. It's because they're all working for the same damn thing. They're just doing it a little bit differently, but they don't. Some of them don't quite see that. Um, so you get fu- people fussing and going back and forth, and yada yada, having nerd rants. But you know, everyone, you know, it, it struggle. Really smart people have bad social skills. So um, you know, that's very prevalent sometimes in the space. And it's just sometimes you want to just be like, guys, ah, sit down. Like, let's just talk about this. Like, let's be friends. Mm-hmm. Um, so it takes like people like us like coming and having discussions like these to like tell people tell, tell tell everyone and all the really smart people like hey guys like let's just like let's focus and, and like let's remain steadfast on like what we know is what we want to be the future and let's just let's build this shit together and quit fighting yeah absolutely that's what we like yeah. to do here at the show. all right final jeopardy guys oh. um I suppose that means I, because I had a question. It's not a, it's not related to DAOs, but I, before I do that, does anyone have a DAO question? Yes, yes. Oh wait, there's one thing. Can, can I just, can I just clarify one specific point real quick? Go for there it. There is a, uh, so on the DAO Hub website, there is a, uh, a section on there that is called the, what, the curators, right? Mm-hmm. So the curators of the DAOs uh, basically are figureheads it seems right so when you go to the page you see you see Vitalik Buterin Alex Vanda Sande did I say that correctly like Taylor uh Taylor Gehring you know Vlad Samfier like all all these cool people right like it's like oh like this DAO this face this autonomous company but there's all these really smart people on this page like they must be people that are supporting it or investors or you know, people on the outside they're like I know all these smart faces names this must be legit right another area of confusion um, but basically what it says is, it explains is the DAO relies on its curator for fail self, fail safe protection and is incre- incredibly privileged to have a high profile set of signatories. The DAO's curator multi-stakeholders are. See, it's very vague. It makes it sound like they have very, very, very important positions that are like determined whether or not the, you know, the entirety of the whole DAO fails. That's not the case. What their job is, is they take a look at the proposals and they go through the bytecode, which essentially they go through the smart contract. And basically, like, look very in deep in depth at the individual byte, at the byte level of how the code is operating to make sure the code is doing what it claims it's doing. That's their only job, is to l- look at those two byte code samples and to compare them and to make sure that there were no changes and that everything says what it says. Because once those smart contract contracts are enacted, you know, you cannot make, you can't, you can't change them. They're just going to continue working forever. 
Mm-hmm. So that's the point is to like, you know, make it once and just let it run. So it's very important that there's some people that can like basically come through and like quickly make sure that this is what the code is supposed to do. Like that's, that's their only job. And basically they sign off and say, yes, like this code, this byte code is correct. It's, it's, so in the future, they can automate that process. Comparing byte codes and things like that is something that can be built. That can actually be a, one of the first proposals to the DAO is to build, build a, um, basically automated process to compare byte. That, that's all they, that's all they, that's all they can do. And so when that one fella came out with a medium post, uh, what was his name? Is this, I don't think his face is even still up here anymore. Yeah, it's not. Um, but when he left and said, Hey, I wrote this medium post. I'm leaving as a curator, yada, yada. And people were like, Oh no, the yeah, thousand. The like, no, it's just some dude who's like stepping down from basically like a, uh, very like, I don't know what the word to put for that position is, but you know, very just fluffy <laughs> as far as the name goes. Curator. It usually it sounds very legit. Um, but but really, you know, it's it's a very simple task. And you know, those curators can be voted in and out by the DAO, you know, at any point after the creation phase. They could actually say that, you know, we don't even want any of you guys or you know what, screw all these guys, we just want, you know, these top two or three, or they can, you know, make changes and et cetera, however they want to do it. Mm-hmm. Cool. But but that that's that's so when people see like that stuff, like and you know people explain it on the news and they say all these names are backing behind it and things like that, like that sort of like generalized confusion. Like that, mm-hmm. that's what I hope is like continues to be avoided because I don't want people to be miseducated. Like absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, like I guess um, the thing I was going to mention was uh, uh, one of one of my favorite people I've worked with in this space is Ryan X Charles. I work with him at BitPay. And uh, I kind of followed along with his whole idea of DAT, the Decentralize All the Things Network. And uh, now it's yours. It's called yours. And I understand you have a nice role in there. And I really wanted to hear a little bit about uh, more about well, where you're at with that and uh, mm-hmm. info on that. Because if that's I don't know if that's your main project or one of the projects you're working on. But uh, oh, yeah, that's definitely that's that's, that's my that's my main project. That's that's I, I love I love. I love what, what I loved what Ryan was doing with that. Me so, too. I talk so, about it every time I have a talk. It's one of the projects <laughs> I bring up. That and I mean, I'm I'm excited for it. I get excited for it. I get giddy like like a little kid, and I come up with ideas in the middle of the night, and I, my girlfriend gets pissed, and I grab my phone and I write stuff down. <laughs> um, and so like yeah, no, it, it's so you know I came on to the project like earlier earlier in the year, like around like January February ish. You know when I met I met I met Charles. And I was like, hey, man, you got this really cool thing. I love what you're doing with that. Um, you know, we just so happened to have the same sticker on the back of our laptops, too, that said decentralize all the things. So it was like fate. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, after working with him and stuff, and we he invited me to come to, like, a launch hackathon. So because they were going to have, like, a joint hackathon with between, like, that and, and there so they could work on the project and yada, yada. And I was like, yeah, man, I'm in there. Like, let's do this. So like I hopped on Slack, did you know, preparing for all that stuff. Went there, you know, build out, you know, what was, you know, the very first like beginnings of like what yours was, you know, ideated around like the uh, the name, the taglines, you know, the all that sort of stuff, and like what what the sort of heart of this new project was going to sort of do. And you know, as we were at the launch hackathon, we were at like. The original idea of that obviously was something very that Ryan was very very passionate about. But like at the more and more as we were working with the idea of like yours and branding and the messaging behind it and like what we could do with you know payment channels and the Lightning Network and like how we could serve content, like we were just like, oh man, we're having a lot of aha moments. Like oh yeah, if we you know if we do this this way or like do this this way or you know 
we're diff we're different in this way once we add this feature and like this like like we got something here so you know it uh it it's evolved like more and more you know and, and you know then you know we have like darren who's like who's assisting you know extremely extremely like amazingly with um uh, with like design so he's sort of like you know we, we go back and forth on uh like mock-ups and just like direction of like the the style of the site and the, we sort of like dump each other's like creativity in a bowl and we just mix it together and we come up with some really good stuff like there's there's a lot of there's a lot of good like i guess like mental chemistry there because we, we all would really want to create something cool for the project and then you know ryan and clemens are like we're going really really hardcore on like the uh the, the code base side as far as like the payment channels so that's what that's currently what they're finishing up now um so so you know we went with the option to include uh csv so um check sequence verify into the uh mm. into the uh the payment channel basically um i guess function i guess would mm -hmm. be the best way to like explain it so so that um so that we could change the way we like close and open payment channels so we can like do the um, do the endorsements on a more like larger scale or or a better scale that works better from a, a user experience standpoint and but in order to implement that and to launch the mvp csv has to be migrated into uh into bitcoin so miners and everything have to accept um you know the new the new uh the new version of uh bitcoin d that's going to be able to support those things so um, as soon as that is accepted and is live on the mainnet and is going, you know, CSV and all that stuff is turning and uh, we'll be able to uh, launch the, the actual site uh, after they finish up like the payment channel stuff. Like because the original plan was like towards like the middle of this month for like a launch. But, you know, since we're waiting for CSV and stuff, like we're sort of just at the mercy of the Bitcoin network. Um so you know, once the payment channels and stuff are finished, it's just going to be a matter of just tying in that back end channel to the to the front end and all the stuff that uh, Darren and I and everyone is in the Slack at the time. Uh, and then from there, um, it'll it'll just it'll it'll be ready to go, and then we'll just be iterating slowly, like on top of that, and like baking in as much features as the yours core back end is continued to be improved and is continuing to be built out, uh, and then go from there. You know, and the when the way the system is designed. You know, utilizing like payment channels and our plans, to, like you know, take a portion of the individual transactions that go through the network in order to you know support the build out of the network. Um, we're gonna be you know essentially making money from like day one, but I'll pay not a lot, obviously, until you know we rescale and have more users and things like that. So, I mean, as we're gonna be building the platform as fast as the community continues to give us feedback and things continue to make sense. And, you know, if, if people, if people, people approach Charles and, you know, he's really interested in the idea of like ever like giving equity or anything like that, like, you know, I'm sure he's, I'm sure he's toyed around with the idea like in his head. Um, and, and there definitely have been a, a numerous amount of offers. Hmm. Um, and if you, if anyone is also interested, i just, just to plug that out there. <laughs> Uh, to contact Ryan Charles on Twitter at, at Ryan X Charles. Um, but yeah, so there, from as I understanding from a lot of our discussions, there are, there are a lot, a lot of people who are interested in the project and he's, he's turned down a few offers already. Um, but I, I, he's, he's really passionate about making this, is making this his own. Like I, I can definitely tell he loves, he loves working, he loves working on this, 
on this baby of his and I, I I know he he's poured he's poured so much into it and I'm like I'm gonna I'm gonna be really impressed by uh by the end result like when it when it comes out of here because I know that there's a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of soul and there's a lot of passion going into creating a project that can reward people on the internet and basically allowing us to create an ecosystem where we can go to online and take any of the cool shit that we discover on the web and be able to place it into basically a global forum for everyone to to see and to enjoy and to endorse and to pay and like have everyone mm. be able to get a, you know a portion of the pie as you know the world discovers like great videos and things like that on the internet so like i'm very i'm very excited for the for the project to uh to come to fruition but you know we're just we're just slowly like iterating and you know as as soon as uh as soon as the bitcoin network agrees with uh, all the stuff that we're building, um, you know, things are going to move a lot faster. So, um, awesome. tell tell your friends to cut their miners on and and get to work. <laughs> well, yeah. uh, when it drops, you guys know where we Ryan X Charles is welcome to come talk about the release. Uh, oh yes, no, here. and I'm, I, I'm I'm sure he would definitely come. Like, awesome. yeah, I'm sure he's going to have a lot to say. Uh, once people once people have their hands on it and they're playing with it, and and, and if you want to be some of the furthest people to uh to use it um please go to um http semicolon slash slash uh yours dot network um and there's a little sign up there to like put in your email and stuff and basically you'll be added to our mailing list because you know we're basically going to have a rollout as far as like who are going to be some of the first users so we want to touch the mailing list first of like people mm-hmm. that hardcore have like come to the site, you know, and they want to get their hands on it and play with it. And so, and we're going to be taking feedback from those people and stuff, make, making any sort of additional changes we might need. And then, and then we're going to move on to like, you know, the generalized release where, you know, we're going to be pushing it out to everyone and all the Bitcoiners and all that good stuff. So awesome. it's going to be, it's going to be staged. So if you, if you really, if this sounds like a cool idea to you, please, you know, go to the website uh and and uh sign up for that uh, so we can um get you on the list definitely well mm-hmm. we have to wrap it up mm-hmm. uh, we have run out of time lots of good good stuff here for everyone to dig into it's gonna be a great episode uh we'll, we'll probably be releasing it to you guys in bitcoin forums and ethereum forums because it seems to be what we do lately because it's the natural progression <laughs> i feel like uh, things are naturally going to go that way. So nevertheless, we got to wrap it up. So let me get some plugs in. Um, what do we do? What well, I guess plug us. What do we do? The Bitcoin podcast.com. You'll find us <laughs> out there. Uh, that's our website. Uh, most recently, do we go ahead and slide that in Tony that most recently we are also the blockchain podcast.com. Yeah. Just before, just before the show, um, registered the blockchain the blockchain podcast.com so uh, don't worry bitcoiners we're not we're, we're not abandoning you we just we another, another place to check out the site at um because you know the, the the blockchain space is bigger than just bitcoin even though bitcoin is you know papa bear i guess i guess that's a good way to put it mm-hmm. so yeah so there too um you know there's all the social outlets that we have which i'll which i'll uh, let d go into a minute and then we can kind of cover our own personal and our projects if you want Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, the Bitcoin podcast on the blockchain podcast.com. Uh, we have our Twitter at the BTC podcast. Uh, that's Twitter. Um, let's see what else. Um, not too sure. We've had a few of you guys join our Slack in general. 
Um, we're still kind of, we don't want too many trolls in. I love trolls. I want to battle them off like a Lord of the Rings movie, but, uh, Marcello and Corey might not love them. So when we do (laughs) have our Slack, like open to the public, we'll let you guys know. Um, Facebook, of course, uh, we have a couple of you guys sending us messages on there, which is cool, but we'd like more interaction. Of course, um, challenge us and we'll challenge you. And we can uh, keep providing the good content. Also, something we haven't asked for in a while. If you're listening on iTunes, give us a five-star review. If you if you want to give us a four-star review, cool. You can kind of fuck off, though. Sorry. To be don't be a dick. Yeah, don't be that guy. Give us the five stars and keep it moving. And then, uh, <laughs> what else do we do? Put the five um, stars in the bag and no one gets hurt. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Corey, uh, Corey is blogging now, uh, big time, and he's he's digging into DAO and doing data analysis on the DAO. And oh, he's been going ham. Yeah, he's he's in a he's. This is actually where he is. He downloaded ten pages worth of all the DAO transactions, and he's on a mountain right now doing data analysis with it. And <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's doing other vacationy stuff. But when you're an adult, how far away from work do you really get? I hope so. that mountain isn't Mount Gox. <laughs> <laughs> he had to climb Mount Gox with the Dow distribution transactions in order to get a message from God. <laughs> and he's going to tell us the future of the Dow. The messages do not keep do not keep your Bitcoin on an exchange. Yeah, he's, and, um, yeah. His beard's gonna be four feet long when he's back. Like how, you were gone for forty eight <laughs> hours. What happened? I've seen some things. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, that's about it. Um, that's about all we have to plug. Tony, you got anything? You know it. Um, as I mentioned earlier, my speaking engagement's coming up. Um, I'm gonna remind you, but I'll just go quick on this one. Friday, May twenty seventh, Detroit Startup Week. Introduction to Ethereum, blockchains, and DAOs. So. You get to hear hear me talk about it. We got 45 people. It's in Detroit, which is my hometown, even though I'm in Atlanta now. So if you're in the area, please come down. Um, you can RSVP on the site. Uh, and uh, I really would love to get more people involved because I'm the only blockchain speaker in the entire week. So uh, there's really there's a lot of interest there, but there's not much organized. And every time I make a trip up there, I try to set up something, some meetup or something going on. So please come out to that. It's my hometown. It means a lot. Um, and you can just uh, contact me and I'll give you more info also. Um, and then uh, June 8th, New York City, where there's tons of Ethereum stuff happening. This looks to be the largest Ethereum uh, event of any sort uh, in America. Or in, I wouldn't say North America, but in America ever. We already have about 190 RSVPs, but that's June 8th. And it's just called Augur 101 when Ethereum meets prediction markets. Me and Joey Krug of Augur and Ron Bernstein of Intrade. Um, as far as other than that, my personal Twitter is the, the best hub, at Tony Swish. Uh, T-O-N-Y-S-W-I-S-H and uh, you can go to my website Tony Sakich T-O-N-Y-S-A-K-I-C-H dot com as far as projects there's Augur which is awesome uh, the decentralized prediction market built on Ethereum and that's uh, Augur.net A-U-G-U-R.net uh, you, can, you can also join our community on Reddit at uh, Augur and there's at Augur Project on Twitter we're on all the other social sites too and now I'm helping out Vanbex a little it's a professional services firm for blockchain companies so your company needs any kind of services from marketing to uh, a lot of other things now we're offering. Uh, just go to vanbex.com and check us out. Um, that's pretty much all my plugs. I'm going to be having more speaking up uh, opportunities coming up soon. And uh, yeah, uh, that, that's about it for now. And of course, the Bitcoin uh, podcast and the blockchain podcast. Uh, it's the best thing going today, brother. <laughs> 
Wait, does somebody have the blockchain podcast on Twitter handle right now? Some Tony, go quick, hurry, run. Well, yeah. we're not live, but good call. Oh. Me... <laughs> oh yeah, we need to go get that Twitter handle ASAP. I'm gonna get it right now, but uh, continue well, with the plugs. <laughs> oh, um, can I get a plug? <laughs> yeah, you go ahead and plug. Oh, let me get a plug. Um, shout out to Purse.io, um, one of my new employers. Um, uh, you can, since we're talking about Ether and all that sort of good stuff in the DAO, um, you can spend your Ether at Purse. You know, if, and if you're familiar with Purse, you can use Purse to save anywhere between, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20% uh, on Amazon. So if you got Bitcoin laying around, you got Ether laying around, there's a Shapeshift integration. So you can actually spend on Amazon with your Ether. Uh, go to Purse, um, spend that money on Amazon. Um, and if and if you think the things I say sound funny or if you think my voice is cool, um, follow me on Twitter um, at Stephen, S-T-E-V-E-N underscore Mackie, M-C capital K, I-E. The capital K is very important. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and my, my last name looks like it's spelled McKee, but it's totally Mackie. <laughs> All right, guys. Well... That's it for this week. Uh, you, thanks for listening, everybody. Listen, play the outro.